All right. So let me introduce myself to everyone and then we'll pray. Because at that point, we could use it, right? <laughs> After I introduce myself. Um, by the way, I want to say one thing about Amazing Grace. The, most, the best song in the world, because you can sing it to just about any tune that you know. All right? I mean, we used to sing it to Gilligan's Island. Right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It was fun. I have no clue what made uh, what makes it that way, other than it can be sung in three-quarter and four-quarter time and be perfectly good. So there you go. So my name's Brett. Um, I'm a uh, instructor slash professor slash IT manager slash writing coach slash I can add pastor slash I can keep adding a few more things with it um, so uh, but I'm at Yellowstone Theological Institute and I've known Alan for a while and he asked if I would come and share with you guys today so um, I'm going to be a lot more informal than a normal sermon is this morning because it feels like we should be a lot more informal right so let's just pray for a minute Father, I ask for your presence to be here with us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come, fill this place with your mercy, your grace, and your love. And above all else, Father, help us to hear your words today and help us to catch um, what it is that you have for each one of us and what we're going to be talking about today. And thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so a couple of things you need to know. If I get lost on a rabbit trail and I don't know where I'm at, I will say, where was I? And the correct answer from you is always tithing. Okay, so uh, you, that's where I'm at. Chris has heard this joke too many times. She doesn't laugh anymore. Um, okay, the second thing is, uh, since we're going to do it more informally, if I ask a question, I'm actually expecting an answer. And since I taught high school for a while, I have a lot longer wait time tolerance than you do. So um, I'm happy for there to be two minutes of absolute silence instead of hearing uh, right, some feedback or stuff. So I'm going to be really happy to just get answers from you as far as that goes whenever I ask questions. And the third bit you need to know is I wear hearing aids. So there's a good shot. You're going to give an answer and I won't understand you if you are speaking in an indoor voice especially the people back at the soundboard okay so out just outdoor voice like you're telling your kids something all right uh, or, or whatever that they're out and you know about to go in the street and you're talking out through the kitchen window telling them not to do it all right so the first thing i want to say is how many of you believe and know by a show of hands that god loves you okay that's great. Now, I want absolute honesty here, all right? How many of you think that God likes you? Okay, that's good. If we don't have those two things down, what I'm about to talk about isn't going to sound very great, okay? Uh, those two underlie everything. Those are the basis. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Okay? If he, if he pulled out pictures of his kids to brag on you or his grandkids, 
your picture would be in that, well, it would be pretty big, but your picture would be in that huge thing that flops out from his wallet, right? Whenever you're doing something for him or you're doing something for the kingdom or you're just doing anything to where you're fulfilling part of what he's made you to be, I actually think the father's bragging on you. I like to think he's going, have you seen what my kid's doing over here? This, I think, if you don't have that, I mean, we may not believe it very well, but if you don't have that as like a baseline, what I'm going to talk about isn't going to make a lot of sense today. All right? So, and those of you out there who have been married know that you can love somebody intensely and not necessarily like them. All right? Yeah, husbands and wives are kind of smiling in the background, right? (laughs) But God actually wants to hang out with you. So that just kind of goes at the base, right? Got that? Good. So I'm gonna, I've got two scripture verses that I'm going to start with, and believe me, I'm going to jump to a whole bunch of other ones, and I'm not going to read them all. I'm just going to reference them. And I did not want anything put up on the PowerPoint thing because I actually want you to have to try to interact with what I'm saying, okay, instead of just being able to copy whatever shows up on the PowerPoint. So... The first one is 1 John 3, 1. So turn on your electronic device to 1 John 3, 1 in whatever version you have. And uh, I'm going to read. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And then we're also going to go for Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. One of Paul's great prayers. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I want to read that again. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in uh, in heaven and in earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and height and length and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. So as I said, these are my assumptions of what we're starting with today. So my first question for you is, what is the church? Are you brainstorming? So, yeah? What is the church? 
the church. You could say a church too. So what? Huh? Yeah, okay, that's good, but what else? Let's, how have you ever heard the church described? Pardon? The Bride of Christ, okay. Okay, okay, a, a building on a hill? This, this one's not quite on a hill, but okay, yeah, <laughs> all right. Any others? Okay, how many of you have ever heard the church described as a hospital? All right. This is where people who are broken can come, get healed, get raised up, right? How many of you ever heard of a church described as a fortress? It's a place where we come, we're safe from the outside world, right? How many of you have ever heard of the church described as a field? Okay, I've had one person's heard all of these. Awesome, that's great. So I want to challenge you a little bit on some of these today, right? There was a great hymn by Martin Luther. I don't know how many of you used to sing hymns. I did most of the time when I was growing up. It was a mighty fortress is our church. Right. So the church, if we look at the church as a fortress, what we wind up looking at is we're saying that the outside world doesn't matter anymore. That we need to be inside of our fortress in order to be safe from the outside world. And I want to challenge that in that I don't think we're supposed to be safe. I think as the church, we are supposed to be out there, not in here. Now don't get me wrong, we're supposed to gather together, we're supposed to have times of fellowship, we're supposed to have times where we get strong by sharing with each other, sharing each other's burdens, loving on each other, right, supplying each other's needs, etc. But the church should not be seen as this great big fortress from the outside. Now I'll tell you where part of this comes from. It comes from the Middle Ages when a lot of the... Um, barbarians were raiding through the areas where the church was. Uh, it was mostly a Roman church, but you'd have these monasteries that had these huge walls. They would build it up and it kind of shut out the outside world, right? That was, safety was inside there, outside was dangerous. But I want to say that the church was never meant to be just inside of those four walls, ever. Right. If you look at Matthew 9 sometime, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of what happens here. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus heals a paralytic. Okay, so there's a guy who's paralyzed, Jesus heals him. Right. He calls Matthew, who is a tax collector. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there's two groups right, that they talk about the Pharisees and the scribes talk about, they say, you know that Jesus liked to eat with sinners and tax collectors. It's almost like tax collectors were their own special, you know, category of sinner. We can't put them all together, right? He eats with sinners and tax collectors. Um, so there was a reason. I mean, people thought the tax collectors were basically um, traitors to Israel and to their faith at the time because they were working with Rome. But 
after he calls Matthew and he's eating with these tax collectors and people are criticizing him for it, he heals a woman that has an issue of blood. He heals Jairus' daughter. Now, da Jairus' daughter was either dead or right on the edge of death, depending on how you read what's it there in the scripture. But he heals her, either raises her from the dead or completely heals her and brings her back from the edge of death. Right? Um, he casts out a demon and he heals two blind men. And then he's after he does this, he starts wandering through some of the cities and he looks, he's teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. And when he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them because they're like a sheep without a shepherd. Now the word for compassion here, we don't do uh, words the same way that the scripture does. All right? The word for compassion here is that he felt it in his gut. It, it was something deep inside of him that if you've had, you've all had gut-wrenching things where you felt it kind of deep inside the core of who you are when you have compassion for somebody, right? So Jesus has this kind of compassion for these people in the deepest depths of his being, right? And then he tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now let's pause for just a second. Jesus is using a farming metaphor which should not be foreign to all of us, right? Even if we live inside the cities and we don't do anything, we see farming. I mean, where I live, I live in Bozeman, in the city, in an established, old established neighborhood, right? And it's less than a quarter of a mile and we have wheat fields right so we see the cycle of all of this all the time what Jesus is saying is that the seed has already been sown the field has already been watered the weeds have already been removed now go out there and reap the harvest so the field that Jesus is talking about is not Notice it's not inside here. The other parable where Jesus talks about a field is a sower went out to sow some seed, right? And so he throws it. Well, there's several parables he talks about with fields in them, but sower goes out to sow some seeds and he throws some out here and some land on the road, some land in the rocks, some land in the, in the thorns, and some land in good soil, right? When he describes that, what does he say that the field is? The field is the world, right? The field is the world. The seed is the word of God, right? And it's being sown liberally through all of these places. I want you to notice that the person who's sowing this seed doesn't know necessarily where every single grain is going to go or what kind of reaction he's going to get. He just goes out and sows it. So I want to say that in a lot of the modern churches that I've been around today, we tend to think that once we become Christians, that we're supposed to work in the church. And we see the church as the field. So we spend our time working here inside of this. Now, I'm not, I want to be really clear with this. I'm not saying 
that we don't work with the church to reach those on the outside. And I'm not saying that there aren't some people who are called to work specifically in the church. What I am saying is that the church is not the main field, the, the group of believers is not the main field that we are called to work in. The main field is out there. In Matthew 10, Jesus calls his disciples together and he tells them, don't go anywhere near the Gentiles, don't enter the town of the Samaritans, right? Go to the sheep of Israel. I want you to travel around through every one of these cities and I want you to, all right, um, I want you to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, um, cast out demons, uh, I'm missing one, right? I want you to do these things. And then after you do these things, all right, then you're going to keep moving around and keep telling people that. What had Jesus been doing with his disciples up to that? Well, he had raised the dead, he'd cast out demons, he'd cleansed lepers, he'd healed people of diseases, right? The blind could see, the lame could walk. That's what he was doing. That's what he sent his disciples out to do. When we get to the book of Acts, what do we see happen? What is it the disciples are doing? They're going around and they are healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, right? People who are lame are able to walk again. It's what they knew how to do. And where are they doing it? They're doing it on the outside. They're doing it to people who don't yet belong. So it's not, I want to say, it's not supposed to be complicated. It, it is not supposed to be complicated. All it is is saying, I recognize that I'm an outpost of the kingdom of God. I am part of the church. And I have an open for business sign. Okay, so I'm going to... Uh, probably embarrass my wife but I, I don't mean to right at one point when I talked about this at another church my wife decided in a, where we currently not where we live now but where we lived then she said um, I'm deciding that when I'm in at work if anybody looks like they're having a hard time or they're starting to get sick I'm just going to ask them if I can pray for them right anything's wrong going on wrong or whatever and she would ask them they would tell her and then she would say can I pray for you did you ever have anybody say no hun no. no okay I've done the same thing I've never had anybody say no either I've fallen out of doing it I think I may want to get back into doing it again all right but it's just a normal open for business I'm part of the kingdom of God and it's open for business now, keep, people are gifted very differently. I'm not saying that everybody's called to be the next Billy Graham or Billy Sunday or, you know, uh, Charles Wesley or John Wesley for that matter, right? Uh, I am saying, though, that people, as they're gifted differently, should be using the gifts that they have. Now, I have a very good friend who told me that he wants to set up his, if he ever set up a church again from scratch, and he's planted one pretty successfully, actually, he said, if I ever want to set up a church again from scratch, I'm going, the first person I'm going to hire is 
what I would call the in-house pastor. So this is a per person who helps me pastor the people who are inside the church. And, I, and he goes, the next person I'm going to hire, and I said, the outhouse pastor. And he goes, yes, all right. He goes, I, I was going to say out of house pastor. And I go, oh, no, no, I think it should be the outhouse pastor. And you should put a little half moon up there on their door, right? Um, so nonetheless, okay, there's an in-house and an outhouse pastor. He goes, the people who are mostly gifted to work on the in-house are like if you're inviting people over for Thanksgiving dinner. And you say, we, we need this church filled with people for Thanksgiving dinner. Well, that means you need some people who are going to work in here to prepare the tables, get the silver out, you know, china, cook the food, make everything ready so everybody feels at home when they get here, right? Uh, the, there, you need other people to go out and grab people and say, hey, we're having dinner over here. We need you to come. Now, all of you know somebody that if you were going to have a party at your house, you invite that person and tell them to bring some friends, and you know you're going to have a successful party because that person will bring 10 or 15 people, right? All of us know someone that's like that. Actually, I know two or three. I try never to invite you know, all three of them to the same party because they don't all fit then when it gets into the house. But nonetheless, that invitation person that comes out doesn't mean the person who's working in here preparing the food doesn't invite people too. It's not a complicated thing. Do you have difficulty introducing two people that you know to each other if they don't, I mean, they don't know each other, you know them both, do you have difficulty introducing them to each other? That's kind of what we're supposed to be doing as the church, as a force in the world, is introducing people to Jesus. So it's supposed to be a natural part of life. Open for the Holy Spirit to use you, right? We should all be empowered, we should all realize that we've been equipped, right? Discipleship takes care of that to different levels. We've been equipped, but all of us have been equipped to some level, right? We should also realize that we are growing in relationship with Jesus and with the Father, but as we do that, we should be gaining the Father's heart for the world outside. The church is not supposed to be a fortress. It's supposed to be a force. The church is not supposed to be the field. The field is out there. So the church, and granted, this is a short answer of what the church is, because there's a lot more that goes to what the church is. It is a hospital, right? The church is a servant. The church is a lot of different things. Then the church is you. It's not this building. But the church is also supposed to be a force in the world, and it isn't supposed to be safe for us all the time. In fact, it isn't going to be safe for us all the time. Jesus told us that. He said, the world didn't like me. They're not going to like you. Have you seen that, by the way? Have you seen times where the church is like massively persecuted just because it is the church? Yeah, that can happen. You're right. Yeah. 
I mean, I think of um, I think of the church that uh, started in the Palestinian area, right? And so uh, a more radical group of the Palestinians came up to the church, and they were upset that the church was actually feeding. Uh, widows, orphans, and other people, all right? The church was actually taking care of some of the poor. They were upset with what the church was doing, and they said, we have come to collect the money for the next uh, kind of program that we're going to have, all right? Or uh, offensive might be a better word to put it, all right? So the next push, military push we're going to have, and the church said, we don't want anything to do with that. Everybody's welcome here. And that so enraged the people at the time uh, that were part of this that they burned their building to the ground so they no longer had a place to do this um, yeah so the field again at the risk of repeating this the field is a world we're supposed to be a force right and I can hear people saying right now you know this would be a whole lot easier if Jesus actually was right here and had shown us how to do this, etc. Or Jesus was right here with us. I've heard this from a lot of people whenever I try to say, hey, the church is supposed to be a force in the world and it's supposed to be easy. Okay? I go, but it isn't easy. The world is going to kick back. And now you're right. It'd be so much easier if Jesus, you know, we had Jesus here doing that. And Jesus, though, told us at the end of Matthew that he's with us until the end of the age, that all authority, power has been given to him, and we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, right? So that's what we're supposed to do. That's the programmatic uh, kingdom. This is what we're supposed to do, the program we're supposed to be involved in. Go make disciples of all nations. And he goes, and I will be with you even until the end of the age. When it gets hard, he will be with you. If you suffer persecution, he will be with you. If you wind up dying for the kingdom, he will be with you. He will be with you in everything that you have to go through. The good times, the bad times, and other things. If you believe that, then a lot of the scary part of it kind of disappears. Now, let's not kid ourselves people are saying hey you should never worry because God's on your side well yeah God may be on my side but people still go through really bad times and we still worry about those right right and as much as I would love to say I'm really good at casting all my cares on Christ and letting it all go that just doesn't happen very well I'm human and kind of the human normal thing to do is I worry is there anyone in here who never worries? Hmm? You never worry? Okay, trying. Uh, yeah, me too. It's good to see I'm in a place where I, you know, fit, right? <laughs> so what do you think, though, about the church being a force in the world and working in the field, which is the world, instead of being a fortress? Are you willing to take risks? It, my tradition is the vineyard, and uh, the vineyard big saying whenever it first got started is faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Right? Are you willing to take risks? 
Are you willing to reach out? Are you willing to be a voice for peace in the midst of fighting? And Lord knows there's enough fighting in our society today to take care of centuries and centuries of people who are willing to try to be peacemakers. Are you willing to stand for the powerless? Are you willing to spread the word wherever it goes? Are you willing? Now, those all sound like big, heavy things, but they don't necessarily have to be. Real little tiny bits and pieces of stuff that people do make enormous impacts on other people. And I've got one example for that. Okay. When I was in the Navy, um, I had a person who was the head of my shop, right? Well, actually, he was the assistant head of my shop, but the guy who was the head of my shop didn't do a whole lot. So this other guy pretty much ran the shop. Okay, so I was fixing electronics um, that went in uh, radar aircraft on the E2Cs. You ever seen the plane that looks like it has a frisbee on top? That's what we worked on. Right. So I'm fixing the inside of the electronic stuff and the assistant guy would talk about religion with me all the time. I mean, it wasn't I didn't have to go looking for it. He was ready and eager to talk, except he kept shaking his head like, I can't believe that you actually believe that. This just doesn't make sense to me. But I just talked. And we had another person inside of the shop that um, I would have to say would, might not have been the, the sharpest tool in the toolbox. All right? He... he um, just didn't fit in. Nobody in the shop liked him. Uh, I had trouble liking him at all, right? Um, just rubbed me the wrong way all the time. And I was praying about it one night, about something else actually, and God brought me up short and said, is anybody in the world a friend to that person who rubs everybody the wrong way? Is there one person who is willing to be that person's friend? And I'm not always quick, but I understood pretty quickly that God was asking me if I'm willing to be that one person. So I tried. I'm not sure I was all that successful or a very good friend. I have no clue if that person that nobody liked very well ever became a Christian or not. I just know that eventually at the end of that whole cruise that the talks that I had with my assistant uh, leader there became somewhat different. All right, they became a little more introspective, I guess. I mean, he was talking a little bit more about, well, how do you see this and this and this? We still had discussions. It still didn't, you know, it still wouldn't work out very easy. And so let's cut for about 20 years, right? Actually, it's more like 25. 25 years later, I'm sitting around at the kitchen table and I'm like asking God, you know, have, has anything I've done actually mattered? Right? I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, right? That is anything I've done actually mattered. And on Facebook, I get a message that says, hey, is this Brett Desper that was on the USS Saratoga on these dates? And I answered back and said, yes. And this guy goes, well, I don't know if you remember me. My name's Alan Beckett. And uh, I used to be the assistant shop manager. And we used to have these big arguments about religion. I claim to be Buddhist, et cetera. And I go, yeah, I remember you. And he goes, well, I want you to know that I am currently a missionary in Russia, and you're part of my testimony. And I'm like, how? 
all right i mean you didn't hear anything that i had to say and he's like i saw how you treated other people and that made what you had to say have more impact it wasn't easy but it was pretty simple and actually i have to thank god for giving me an answer to that all right i mean here's a guy that was a missionary to russia he's not now right but uh, but he's still doing a pastor he's still working as a pastor and uh, it's just awesome so i've got a question are you willing this is the question are you willing to be risky a little bit i'm not asking you to take huge risks at this point god may eventually but are you willing to be just a little risky and ask god every morning when you get up right Father, I believe that I'm supposed to be working in the field, and the field is the world, right? I'm supposed to be working in the field. The field is the world. Can you show me where you are already working and how I partner with that today? Are you willing to do that? Okay, so if you are, okay, and I'm not going to ask one of those, you know, people do this every head bowed, every eye closed thing, and I don't believe that if you can't make a commitment to something in front of God's people who already love you and who already care about you, I don't know how you're going to do it when you walk out the door, all right? Um, so if you are, I'd like you to raise your right hand. And here's what I want to say. I'm not going to look up when I do this. Okay, by the authority that I have as a pastor and as a minister of the gospel and everything I see in the scriptures, I want to release each and every one of you to go out and minister to whomever you come in contact with. If you see a need, if God moves you by a need, then chances are you're supposed to have some role in meeting that need. Prayer, giving, anything else. I want to say, Father, anoint them to go out and just be your force in the world around you. Okay. Now, let's see what happens. All right. Um, I just want to say two things, and I'll wrap up. I'm assuming that that was 20 minutes when I started. Am I right? Okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm at 25 minutes now then. That's good. I don't want to go for... I tease people that I could go for an hour and a half, and I actually could, but you don't want me to do that. So I want to kind of try to keep track and be good so I had only have another 40 minutes left no um, seriously um, I have taken this pledge and I've gone out and tried to force things and I want to caution against that because every time I've tried to force things God still uses it but it just doesn't always work out very well for me in fact sometimes I've created a bigger mess than and somebody else is, is laughing because they've done it before, right? Sometimes I've created a bigger mess by trying to force something than waiting for God to actually bring it to fruition. So all I want to say is if you've made that commitment to just be able to take the risk, look for where God's moving and join with him. Right? It doesn't mean that's going to always work out great. It doesn't mean it's always going to work out easy. But it does mean, all right, that he's there with you and he's already started it. And you have no idea how much little things that you do are going to change. So, to summarize, and then I'll ask for questions because if you've got them, 
why not, right? Um, to summarize, the church is not supposed to be a fortress, although we are, okay? The church is not just a hospital, although it is a hospital. The church is supposed to be a force in the world, right? As um, Eugene Peterson said, um, if some people actually knew that I thought that all of the ways of the governments of the entire world were ultimately doomed to failure because the kingdom of God is going to come in and replace them with something much more just, much more righteous, much more loving, people would want to fire me as a pastor. Okay, uh, There's a huge group that would like to. So it's he's already working towards this and you're working towards the kingdom of God so that's what the church is supposed to be doing working in the field as ambassadors of the kingdom to the people that we meet all right now there's a ton of other things that the church is supposed to be and if I've been too rambling I apologize but are there any questions at this point and I mean any that's fine okay I don't want to take an enormous amount of time, but. Okay, um, I can tell you some things that have worked for me, okay? The most, um, this isn't exactly true, so I probably shouldn't say this, so let me put it this way. One of the professions that every, almost everyone in this room comes into contact with on a regular basis that catches the most abuse and the least amount of understanding and love are the people who wait on us at restaurants and coffee shops, right? Um, why not start there? Okay, if you go out to eat a lot, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that uh, too. Um, I'm assuming you work somewhere that, huh? Not anymore for you? Well, okay. So I'm assuming you two work somewhere. Yes? Huh? So I'm sure you come into contact with other people. I mean, you have neighbors, right? Um, some of them probably aren't believers and you could ask them over for here I like to smoke if I have a reason to smoke meat okay 
I am, if you thought I was thinking about cigars, right? No, <laughs> I like to smoke meat. So if I have an excuse to smoke meat, and you can tell my wife, my wife will tell you this is true, I will, I will be all over that, okay? So it's something that I love, and usually it blesses other people to come over unless I've really messed up somehow, okay? <laughs> it blesses other people to come. It's not... Uh, unusual to like really small steps just inviting my neighbors over to say hey I'm gonna smoke a pork butt and we're gonna have pulled pork this weekend you guys want to come over and eat with us on Saturday night all right uh, bring salad and a dessert and we have stuff and we just sit around and talk it half of what I've noticed of people that I know of them actually you know being able to be a force in the world around me uh, is really small steps so that we get to know each other because the topic will come up sooner or later it just will okay now that doesn't mean that there aren't other times where you're going around and you notice someone and you're like going it really feels like the holy spirit is uh telling me that that person is like losing it like you said ask people if they need help right that person's losing it and I, you can go up and say, hey, is there something I can do to, I mean, I, I really feel like maybe God's trying to let you know how much he loves you. Are you okay? 20 bucks. Huh? Guys, 20 bucks. Well, I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Giving him the 20 bucks. So um, just saying, all right, it's always a possibility. Um, the other one that I am getting a lot better at if God brings someone to mind uh, that I've known throughout the past, I do my best to try to find out how I can get in contact with them and call them and say, hey, I was praying the other day or I was around and I felt like God brought you to mind. Is everything okay? Can I, you know, do you need prayer? Do you need what? And um, I'm wrong a couple of times. Well, let me change that. They say I'm wrong a couple of times. I don't always know that that's necessarily true, okay? Because a lot of people won't tell me up front. But they also, um, most of the time, somebody's like, oh, yeah, it's just been horrible lately, all right? That's what works for me. I don't know why it'll work for you because that's this, and this is just kind of who I am, all right? So, uh, the other thing that works for my wife and I is there's a huge number of international students on campus and we regularly have met them and had people in for dinner and other things along those lines. Uh, take them out to go see things. And the friendship built is never based on whether or not they're becoming a Christian, it's just a friendship. And then we get to talk about Christ, not all the time, but enough times that we actually get a chance to say something right so that's how it works for me I can't say it'll be the same for you okay any any others okay so I haven't upended the the world and if you have as a basis that God absolutely 100% loves you and it likes you and wants to hang out with you this is kind of like, it, wait, how many of you when you were kids did somebody say go out and work with your dad in the backyard? I mean, did you ever have that as a young kid, right? I mean, so I used to call that the hold this times, right? Because dad was like, you know, 
mom sent you out here to work with me, so here, hold this, right? Um, what I'm thinking is that the father is actually asking us, let's look at it this way, actually asking us to go into his workshop. This isn't mom saying, go help dad. Dad's actually saying, would you guys come out and help me in my workshop? And with just a little bit of experience, I'll let you use the power tools. I mean, my dad used to let me cut. Granted, it was usually something that was already ruined, but I was trying to cut, now that I think about it, I didn't know it then, that, you know, I'd use the power tools to try to cut paneling. Uh, his, oddly enough, his cuts were always straight. Mine were kind of, uh, you know, uh, but he was always, that was one thing he was always encouraging. Ah, you've just about got it there, right? Um, I think the Father wants to work with us in what's doing. He wants us to be a partner with what's happening, okay? All right, with that, um, since no one else is asking anything, I'm going to quit. So let's just pray, and I'll be finished. Lord, I don't know what to say right now, Father. I had one, a, a nice prayer prepared, and um, all I want to ask is that, Holy Spirit, you would bless... Uh, what's been said that everybody needed to hear, that you would give them the courage, the confidence in your love and your uh, being right there with them, that they can go out and be an outpost of the kingdom and that they could hang out, you know, the open for business sign. Father, I know that some of us are going to see more people come, some of us are going to see fewer, but I'm just asking that all of us would see your hand at work and that we would see how we could join in with what you're already doing in the world around us. We will give you all the praise and glory, and we look forward to the return of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for putting up with me for a little while. I really appreciated the opportunity, and may God richly bless you. Thanks. Huh? <laughs> My pleasure. You don't want to what? Compete. Oh, please don't. <laughs>